Welcome to Kaya, the college and young adult ministry of Midtown Baptist Temple, a ministry seeking to pursue a deeper faith in Jesus Christ through God's word, fellowship, and prayer. study leader here. I help lead worship sometimes, um, but I'm just excited to be bringing the word to you today. Uh, Pastor Brandon, he's out in Iola. Uh, I don't know if he's preaching, but he's out in Iola. Oh, sweet. They're ordaining Mason. Um, so today I have the privilege of basically preaching like what Romeo just preached and what we just sang in that last song. Uh, we're talking about the love of Christ this morning. And yeah, I'm just really excited. So my sermon title is a, uh, a subtle combination of three of my favorite things, the love of Christ, and then in a roundabout way, physics. <laughs> and then, uh, it's a lyric from uh, a trio of poets in the 80s and 90s in New York. But... Um, <laughs> Yeah, so we're going to be looking at Ephesians 3 today. So if you want to open your Bibles to Ephesians 3, verse 14, um, I'm going to pray real quick. Dear God, um, I'm just like grateful uh, to be preaching on this topic. And uh, man, it is a privilege. And God, um, I just pray that you would still my heart. God, I want to uh, just preach the message you've given me uh, with a soft heart. And uh, Lord, I pray that you would open ears today, that you would open hearts and minds uh, to just learn about the love of Christ, which passes knowledge. So God, please be glorified today. Um, we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, so... Um, I'm no history buff, but uh, people really like to divide history into these ages. And so, you know, if you're talking in biblical terms, we even have like, if you ask your LFBI teacher or your Bible study leader, we'd be in the late, the, uh, the age of Laodicea. And uh, before that, there was the age of Philadelphia. If you don't know what I'm talking about, talk to your Bible study leader. No clue you in. But in secular terms, we have all these ages, right? Um, and I don't know if David Sanderson's here, but he's like a military history major. And so he'd, he'd tell you all about it. But uh, you got things like the Stone Age, you got the Bronze Age, you have the Iron Age. Uh, there's the Industrial Age. Do you guys ever have to read The Jungle by Upton Sinclair? Yes. <laughs> Praise God we made it out of the Industrial Age. Um, rough times. Then we had. I didn't know this. There's, there's an atomic age. I think that's just like when people were really afraid of communism. <laughs> but uh, that happened. But today, uh, we live in the information age. It started back in the mid-20th century with the invention of the transistor, which made computers possible. And uh, because of that, information is the driving force behind this age. And information because of that, is cheap, right? Like, okay, so who in here could honestly tell me like the last three things they Googled? Some of you wouldn't want to say that, but um, information is so cheap. Like, we don't even remember the things we look up. So if you ask somebody 50 years ago, what were the last three trips to the library for? They could probably tell you, because it cost them something, right? They had to take time out of their day to go to the library and like, yeah, they like spent gas money, 
and they spent time in a library researching the information that they needed. And so I bet they would be able to tell you. But it doesn't cost you anything. Like, you just look up the capital of Sweden, and you just know it. And then next week, you don't know what the capital of Sweden is anymore. <laughs> um, but what I'm getting at is this same mentality can carry over into our faith. And so, like, Blue Letter Bible is awesome. I'm not going to knock that. But you can make a Bible study cheap, and you can make it quick. And, like, you probably couldn't tell somebody what the last three things you searched in Blue Letter Bible were. Um, but, like, if you took time to study out a concordance and, you know, you actually, like, take time and effort to pour into the Word of God, like, that's, that's not cheap. That costs you something. Um, so in this information age, uh, specifically in Ephesians 3, the Holy Spirit is calling us today. That in this, like, realm of just information everywhere, um, there's one thing he wants us to know. It's the love of Christ. And so, um, if you've never read Ephesians before, it's a really cool book. Um, I need to know what time it is. Alright, so Ephesians is written by Paul. It is written to the church at Ephesus. And essentially, it's a book on <coughs> virtue. If you don't know what virtue is, it's doing what you know. And uh, so... Yeah, the first three chapters are all about these things you, you should know. And then the last three chapters are all about these things that you should do with what you know. And that's what virtue is. And it ends in, okay, now that you're doing what you know, you're going to end up participating in spiritual warfare. Yeah. And so that is kind of uh, Ephesians in a nutshell. But all that to say, uh, this whole book hinges on this passage here, uh, Ephesians 3, 14 and 21. So we're going to start uh, in 14 through 16. And the first thing I want you to know is, okay, uh, God wants to strengthen you. Paul writes, For this cause I bow my knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named. He's praying for the church. And here's his prayer that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might by his spirit in the inner man. And so, why does God want us to be strengthened? Okay, well, there's stuff that happens in life that you need to be strengthened for. So there's every day, like, these are trials, right? Every day you're going to have trials. Whether those are easy, like, I don't know if there's ever going to be a day where waking up on time is not a trial, <laughs> right? Like that, that happens every day. That, that's a trial of sorts. Um, then there's like stuff like, I don't know, grades. Like all, there's all these kind of things that, that don't matter all that much, but like God wants to strengthen you for those things. Um, but there's also really hard trials. Um, you know, James talked about this. You go through long seasons of maybe it's like crippling depression or anxiety. Um, you know, maybe it's an unexpected death. Uh, maybe your, your bank account just fell through. God wants to strengthen you so that you can have victory over these things and you can walk in the reality of God's promises. Amen. And so, you know, we see this with Joshua uh, in Deuteronomy 3, 28. Um, God tells Moses, hey, I want you to charge Joshua. Uh, he needs strength to go into the promised land. And do what I've called him to do because I need him to walk in victory to fulfill what I've called him to do. Um, and we also need strength to do the work that he's called us to do. Right? It's not just trials, but it's, it's simply the work. And we see this, uh, both Ezra and Nehemiah uh, needed strength, right? That God wanted to strengthen them. Ezra was tasked with building the temple of God to rebuild it. And he needed strength to do that. And Nehemiah was tasked with rebuilding the wall, and he needed strength to do that. And uh, we've been tasked with the Great Commission. And we need strength to do that. We need strength to do the work that God's called us to, to evangelize, to make disciples. And so the next question is, how does God want to strengthen us? Um, 
The answer is by his spirit, right? We read that. It says that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might by his spirit in the inner man. And it is in the inner man. If you want to talk about being strengthened in the outer man, philosophy that, talk to Braden Best. We'll probably put some doctrine on that. But, um, yeah, so God wants to strengthen you by his spirit. And that makes sense because God is his spirit. Right? He's, he's called the Spirit of Christ, the Spirit of God. And it makes sense that, that God's going to be the one to strengthen you. But we also see that it's according to the riches of his glory. And then the next question is, well, what are the riches of his glory? Um, we see in Colossians 2, 3, that in Jesus Christ are hid all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. In Romans eleven thirty three it says, Oh, the depth of the riches both of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and his ways past finding out. So the, the riches of his glory, like it is the word of God. It's the wisdom and knowledge of God uh, revealed to you by the Holy Spirit. And I think Psalm 119 verse 28 really clarifies this. It says, my soul melteth for heaviness. Strengthen thou me according unto thy word. Um. But it goes beyond just knowing Bible verses, right? You, you can know a lot of Bible, and you can start throwing Bible verses at all your life's problems. Um, but let's look at Matthew 4 real quick, because uh, Jesus, he's in a trial, and he needs strength. Uh, in verse 3, Satan is tempting the Lord Jesus Christ in the wilderness. Uh, and he said, if thou be the son of God, command that these stones be made bread. But he answered and said, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. And then, you know, six, he says, uh, if, you're, if you're God, cast yourself down off this temple. Angels will, angels will catch you. Uh, and Jesus said unto him, it is written again, thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. And verse nine, uh, Verse 8 and 9, the devil offers Jesus all the kingdoms of, of the world. And Jesus says, it is written, get thee hence, Satan. For it is written, thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only shalt thou serve. And I, what I want you to get is, Jesus didn't just chuck Bible verses at these problems, right? Like, you can say a verse that is like, you know, on depression, and then, you, like, you still feel depressed. You know, okay. Uh, the word of God which effectually worketh in you that believe. And so Jesus wasn't just saying words. He knew the person that said them. Right? He knew God the Father, and he had such an intimate relationship with God the Father that every word that he said from the Bible had power. And... And God wants that for you too. Philippians 4.13 says, I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me. And, um, okay, so witches, whoa. <laughs> ah, doctrine alert. Um, <laughs> okay, so witches aren't a good thing in the Bible. There's like the witch of Endor. This is a good witch. This is W-H-I-C-H. -H. Uh, I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me. So it's not just Christ who strengthens you. It's you doing all things through Christ, having his word made reality in your life. That's going to be the thing that strengthens you. And so key point one, strength comes through the presence of God by his spirit through applying his word in every situation. Come on. Strength comes through the presence of God by his spirit through applying his word in every situation. And so, um, you know, I think about just chucking Bible verses at things. And John Mark McMillan, I love his music. Uh, he uses this phrase, having Bibles bent like shivs. And uh, <laughs> I love that, first off. But, like, that, that's so, like, we do that. You know, like, we, we just try to throw Bible verses at things. And guys, the Bible is a weapon, but it's called the sword of the spirit. It's not just the sword. It's the sword of the spirit. And as you know God and you know his person, that's going to make that sword like real. And yeah. that's going to be the thing that, uh, 
attacks the problems in your life. And so as you know the person of God, you know, the word of God is going to be effectual. And that this looks like Colossians 3.16. It looks like letting the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom. And it looks like Ephesians 3.17. Uh, that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith. And so God does want to strengthen you for your circumstances. But he wants to go beyond that. He wants to settle you. Okay? He wants to dwell in your hearts by faith. Um, and so here, like, I want you guys to understand, God cares deeply about your circumstances. And I'm not going to downplay that. But the answer to that is as you learn about the person of, of God... <coughs> Uh, you move from just, you know, your circumstances and your environment, and you move to abiding in Christ. Mm -hmm. And, like, if you can just abide in Christ, circumstances don't matter anymore, yeah. right? Like, you're just with the Lord Jesus Christ. Um, so let's look at John 15 real quick, if you guys want to turn your Bibles there. In verse 1. Jesus says, I am the true vine, and my father is the husbandman. Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. And every branch that beareth fruit, he purgeth it, that it may bring forth more fruit. And so guys, uh, these circumstances, if it's a real trial, and it's not just you know, the consequences of your sin, that's a different, that's a different thing. Well, this is a true trial, like what James was talking about. Um, that is purging, right? Like, that's going to be the thing that God's going to use to bring more fruit in your life. Amen. And, uh, you know, you can see this with so many figures in the Bible. You have, uh, you know, Jacob, who is terrified of seeing his brother Esau. And he wrestles with God all night over it. Um, that's great. Like, he, uh, just through knowing God intimately in that situation, uh, he... He's blessed, right? He's given God's blessing. Um, and not only that, okay, so God, like, pops his hip out of place. And he uh, said, you know, he, he limped the rest of his life. Yeah. And the rest of his life, he's given this reminder of how much he has to rely on God. Um, and so, you know, we see this with Job, too. Job's latter half was better than, than his first half. Yeah. And, um, and God wants that for you, too. So uh, if you want to continue in John 15, verse 4, it says, Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine. No more can ye, except ye abide in me. I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me, and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me ye can do nothing. If ye abide in me, and my words abide in you. You shall ask what you will, and it shall be done unto you. Sorry, I skipped six. Um, Herein is my Father glorified, that ye bear much fruit. So shall ye be my disciples. You know, jump down to 16. It says, Ye have not chosen me, but I have chosen you and ordained you, that ye should go and bring forth fruit, and that your fruit should remain, and that whatsoever ye shall ask of the Father in my name, he may do it. So key point two, trials bring fruit yeah. by bringing you into a deeper relationship with Christ. Trials bring fruit by bringing you into a deeper relationship with Christ. Okay, so, you know, verse 16, God wants to strengthen you. Then you move into the first half of 17. Okay, your eyes are getting off your circumstances and, and on to God because he wants to settle you. He wants to dwell in your heart by faith. Uh, but it goes beyond that. God doesn't want to just settle you. He wants you to be settled in him. And uh, that looks like being rooted and grounded in love. Uh, this is the second half of Ephesians 3.17. And so... Um, Rooted and grounded, obviously, the, the immediate thing that comes to mind is trees, right? Like, trees have roots. Trees are grounded. Um, so let's talk about trees for a second. Uh, I think the best fruit comes from trees. I, I mean, I like raspberries and everything, 
But I think the best fruits come from trees. Anyway, yeah, okay, so like bananas. Bananas are like nature's cliff bars, right? Like you just take it and you go and you've got breakfast covered. Um, yeah, like tree, trees bear fruit and it's awesome. Um, we, okay, we're in Midtown, Westport area. We've got artists in here, right? We have artists? Cool. Okay, so who, who's done like a, a landscape of like trees? Or, whoa, we got perfect. <laughs> the tree landscape. Amazing. <laughs> um, okay, so yeah, like trees are beautiful and their fruit is awesome. Uh, that's all above ground though, right? Like we can love and appreciate the things above ground. Uh, in a tree, but but nobody ever like you hardly ever see the roots of a tree, um, and so let's let's look at Psalm one real quick. Verse one says, "Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night, and he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water." that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. And uh, so as you study trees in the Bible, which you should do, it's awesome, it's a fun time, uh, the trees that are always by the water are willow trees. And uh, I think willows are like everyone's favorite tree. They're like the most beautiful, it does, yeah. They're, I love willow trees. Anyway, <laughs> um, I don't know if Uriah's run into this before. He's probably run into it with other trees. But willow trees specifically are notorious for their root systems. Um, they, they have these roots that grow out to three times the length of their branches. It's because all they're doing is looking for water. And so they destroy plumbing systems. <laughs> they like wreck them. And they, they tear up sidewalks and they ruin house foundations. And I'm not saying that your faith should be like destroying reality. But uh, there's a degree to which, man, uh, what if that's what our walk with God looks like? What if we were so thirsty to just know more about Jesus Christ that like the landscape was changed? Right? Um, so, like, this takes work, um, to, to know Jesus Christ intimately, to dig into his word, that takes work. Proverbs 18.1 says, uh, through desire, a man having separated himself, seeketh and intermeddleth with all wisdom. So you've got to want it. You've got to desire to know Christ, and you've got to set some things aside to actually pursue that. And so, key point three, um, am I moving too fast? Maybe. I don't know what pacing is like. Cool. Um, key point three, a relationship with Christ takes work. A relationship with Christ takes work. And so, we need to ask ourselves, are we laboring to seek Christ? What does your devotional time look like? What is, a, what is Bible study uh, Sunday services, discipleship, LFBI. Does that look like being rooted and grounded in the love of Christ? Um, or does it look like being rooted and grounded in head knowledge? Right? Like, we can... And, okay, so we're going to get into the heart of the message today. Uh, because information is cheap, we can spend so much time just seeking information, we can miss Christ. Uh, we must understand that str that strength from verse 16 only comes from a personal and intimate relationship with Jesus Christ. Yeah. Um, you know, think about Paul's conversion. Uh, I think so many of us, we come, we come to the word of God in the morning, we, we come to Sunday services and we want to ask, uh, Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? And, uh, and like, we're in these circumstances and, and God, I just, I want to weigh out. James is talking about this. Um, and we just, we want a way out. We want to know, like, what, what the pill is. Like, what's my Bible verse pill that's going to, like, heal me? And God's like, man, the word of God heals. But it's not just like a pill you pop, right? It, you have to know God. And, um, and so, you know, my question to you is, what if, like Paul, what if we first asked, who 
instead of wanting to know like about our situation, we wanted to know God. Um, and that, uh, I thought I was going to get all my weeping out in studying, but uh, bear with me. Okay. So the book of Proverbs um, is, is the most instructional book in the Bible, probably. It's just instructions, um, for the most part. It's, it's wisdom, and it's very practical. It's very real, and God wants to use that in your life. But guys, a, a lost person can get just about the same thing out of Proverbs that a saved man can. Right? It's going to be inputs and outputs. You save money, cool, you're going you're gonna to have an inheritance. Right? Like, lost people can do that. <laughs> but what lost people can't do is understand that every time Proverbs says, my son, like, that means something. Um, and it comes up all the time in Proverbs. And guys, that's the Bible for us. It's God writing a letter to his children and saying, yeah, there's, man, stuff's going to come up in life. It's like, I was thinking about it, and I think uh, so often we can, we can make the Bible to be a, like the car manual in your, in your dash, your, your glove box, that's what that's called. Um, and you know, like that tells you what oil to buy, what like when to change it, what like how to change your tires. It tells you all that. Um, but man, what if in your glove box you like reached in and you found a letter that your dad wrote you when you left home for college and said, "I know you're five hours away. Uh, and it's going to be hard, and you're going to have homework and you're going to be busy. But no, hey, if your car breaks down, here's what you do." Um, if you ever need anything, just call me. Like, that's what the Bible is. That's, that's what, like, when we reach in our life's glove box, like, that's the Bible, right? It's, it's, it has instructions, but it's a letter from a father to, to, his, to his kids. And, um, yeah. Guys, the Bible is God saying, I love you. Like, it's as simple as that, and I, I want that to be our framework of what the Bible is. And so this leads us to verse 18. It says, um, may be able to comprehend with all saints what is the breadth and length and depth and height, and to know the love of Christ which passeth knowledge, that ye might be filled with all the fullness of God. And so this, this brings us to yeah, just the heart of today's message. We've got, yeah, God wants to strengthen you, okay? And he wants to strengthen you for your circumstances. He wants you to have victory. But how that happens is you get your eyes off your circumstances and you move into this place of just abiding in Christ um, and him settling you. And then you move into, you know, you being settled in him. Uh, and then when you're here, you're, you're rooted and you're grounded in love. You just comprehend with all saints what is that love. Um, and so that, that brings up an important point. It's with all saints. Okay, to, to know the love of Christ is not just for your pastor. It's not just for your Bible study leader or your discipler. And it's not a job, guys. Like, it is the privilege of every believer to comprehend the love of Jesus Christ. We get to do that every day. Um, and, like, I don't. Um, and that's, I, like, I'm preaching to myself this morning. That was this whole message, is God just convicting me about how little I actually think about how much I'm loved. Um, and, okay, so we're going to break down these, uh, these dimensions of the love of Christ. And so, like I said, I'm, I'm engineering. Uh, physics is, like, has a very special place in my heart. It's the best science. I'm just going to say that. Um, okay, uh, but, okay, so dimensions, they're a real thing, all right? You've got, uh, you've got forward, backwards, you've got that plane, you've got up and down, and then you've got left and right. I did that backwards for you guys. Sorry. Anyway. Um, but you get my point. Okay, so there's these three dimensions. There's also a fourth dimension of time. Um, I'm not going to pretend to know what that means. <laughs> but, um, so we're going to kind of parallel these. It's not going to be perfect. Uh, but the love of Christ has these, these four 
these four distances in a way. And so we're going to just look at the love of Christ through his life. And um, so we start with the breadth. And this is, uh, this is like what Romeo was, was preaching before me. Uh, God is outside of time. Okay. Like, again, I'm not going to pretend like I understand that, uh, but I believe it. In Isaiah, he's called the first and the last. In Revelation, he's called the Alpha and the Omega, the one which was and is and is to come. We see it over and over again. In 2 Peter 3, 8, uh, it says that one day is with the Lord as a thousand years, and a thousand years as one day. Okay, so God exists outside of time. He sees man's sin, and he goes, I'm coming for you. And uh, if you guys want to open it to John chapter 1. says, in the beginning was the Word, this is Jesus Christ, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him, without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shineth in darkness, and darkness comprehended it not. Then you jump down to 14, it says, and the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. <laughs> guys, I can't, like, I can't wrap my brain around God becoming a man. Um, but I think it's, it's hard for us. Maybe, obviously, it's a, it's a divine truth. I don't think we're ever going to fully wrap our brains around the fact that Jesus Christ became a man. He stepped into time and became a man. But, uh, I don't know, maybe it's like we're at the top of the food chain and got like computers and life's nice and everything it's hard for us to imagine what being outside of time is like but um, C.S. Lewis <laughs> says this um, he says did you ever think when you were a child what fun it would be if your toys could come to life well suppose you could really have brought them to life imagine turning a tin soldier into a real little man it would have involved turning the tin into flesh and suppose the tin soldier did not like it. He's not interested in your flesh. All he sees is the, the tin is being spoiled. He thinks you are killing him. He will do everything he can to prevent you. He will not be a made. He will not be made into a man if he can help it. What would you have done about this tin soldier? I do not know. But what God did about us was this: the second person in God, the Son, became human himself was born into the world as an actual man, a real man of particular height, with hair of a particular color, speaking a particular language, weighing so many stone, the eternal being who knows everything and who created the whole universe, became not only a man, but before that a baby, before that a fetus inside a woman's body. You want to get the hang of it, think how you would like to become a slug or a crab. Right? Like, we can't even, we can't understand. Um, but guys, if you've ever had the stomach flu, you know, like, being a human being sucks. <laughs> um, we're super broken, right? Um, God became that. God entered time and became this for us to die on our behalf. Uh, and this brings us to, to the length of the love of God. And um, what I've been thinking about is, Jesus' trip to the cross didn't start at Calvary. The first step he took, he was actually walking to the cross. Um, in Luke 2, it says uh, that Jesus as a child he increased in wisdom and stature. Uh, Hebrews 5.8 says that he learned obedience through the things which he suffered. And the, okay, so the one in whom is hid all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge, he so humbled himself that he had to increase in wisdom and learn such a thing as obedience. Like, again, I don't, I'm not going to pretend to understand that, but like our whole pursuit 
of Christ is going to be trying to understand that. Like, God so loved us that he entered time and like, grew up as a kid and had to learn. Um, Philippians 2.5 says, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. And what Hebrews 12.2 clarifies with that uh, is he said he did it for the joy that was set before him. And that joy was you, right? Jesus, Jesus stepped out of eternity to say, I love you. And he did that by dying on a cross. And this leads to uh, the depth of the love of Jesus Christ. Um, Jesus experienced the sting of death and spent three days and three nights in the heart of the earth for us. Right? He did that to save mankind. Um, but guys, if, if Jesus stayed in the grave, um, Paul writes that we'd be the most miserable men. Yeah. If, if Jesus died and he just stayed in the grave... Um, to call yourself a Christian would be a really shameful thing. But this leads us to, to the height of the love of God. Because Jesus didn't just die, right? He, he rose to eternal life. Amen. And he's freely offering that to you. And so this is, this is victory, right? Um, so 1 Corinthians 15, uh, 19, he says, If in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men most miserable. But now is Christ risen from the dead and become the first fruits of them that slept. For since by man came death, by man came also the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ shall all be made alive. Yeah. Guys, we get to experience the victory that Jesus Christ had over sin and death. Yeah. Amen? Amen. Um, Romans 8.34 says, Who is he that condemneth? It is Christ that died, yea, rather that is risen again who is even at the right hand of God, who also make inter maketh intercession for us. So, the great I am, like, steps off his throne, enters time, is a kid, lives 30 perfect years that you could never live, dies on a cross, is buried, raises again after three days, and he raises to glory on his throne, and he looks at you and he says, I love you. Um, and maybe you think, you know, this is a, a distant concept. This happened 2,000 years ago. Um, this, is, this is just some sermon. Uh, you probably write about the sermon. But, um, <laughs> guys, God promises in his word that he's near, that he's a very present help, that he will never leave you nor forsake you. Um, and, guys, so to look at that, let's... So we just looked at the love of Christ that is seen in his life. Well, let's, let's look at it in your life, okay? Because um, I, I want to leave here with you guys knowing that the love of Christ is not some distant concept. It's real, and it's in your Bible, and you get to look at it every day. You get to experience it. Um, so key point four, Jesus loves you, right? Like, praise God. Um, well, let's look at your life. Okay, so uh, Jesus was born. Um, you were born. That looked a little differently. Uh, there wasn't nearly as much prophecy surrounding your birth. <laughs> and you weren't born of a virgin. Um, but you were born, okay? Uh, you entered time, uh, not in the same way, but you, you had a start to your life, your human life. And um, so Psalms 22, 9. So a lot of these verses, these are going to be inspirational. I know that, uh, you know, these have prophetic con context of Christ or of Israel. But let's just, let's take some inspirational context about how God is the God from your birth. Psalm 22, 9 says, But thou art he that took me out of the womb. Thou didst make me hope when I was upon my mother's breast. I was cast upon thee from the womb. Thou art my God from my mother's belly. 
And God, you, like, God is so good. Uh, you were conceived, and God saw you, and he said, I love you. And you were born, and God says, I love you. And then every day of your life, God is looking at you, and he says, I love you. Um, Isaiah 46, 3, this is, this is the love of God in the length of your life. It says, hearken unto me, O house of Jacob, and all the remnant of the house of Israel, which are born by me from the belly, which are carried from the womb. And even to your old age, I am he, and even to your hoar hairs will I carry you. I have made, and I will bear, even I will carry and will deliver you. And guys, you were born, and every single moment of every single day, God's looking at you and he says, I love you. And um, every day, uh, that's going to look different, okay? So we have, we have deep points in our life where life's really hard and you are going through a trial. Psalm 139, 8 uh, says, If I make my bed in hell, behold, thou art there. Um, just because just cause you don't feel good doesn't mean God's not there. Um, just because you sin doesn't mean God's not there. Adam and Eve, they sinned. You know where God was? Looking for them. When David sinned, um, God was speaking to him through the prophet Nathan. When Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were in the fiery furnace, you know where God was? <clears throat> he was there. And when, when Peter denied Christ, Jesus Christ was dying for him. He was there. He saw it. He said, I love you. And, uh, Guys, God, he's, he's with you in the depths, and uh, he's with you in the heights, too. First half of Psalm 139 says, if I ascend up into heaven, thou art there. Um, and God is so good in, in being with us through that blessing. Um, but don't forget him. Like, if, man, if you're experiencing the blessings of God right now, um, don't find yourself in Revelation 2-4 where you forget your first love. Yeah. Okay? Like, blessings are good and we should praise God for them. Don't forget the one who gave them to you. Um, and guys, <coughs> he's with you in the depths, he's with you in the heights, and he's with you in everything between. Okay, so so often we can claim Romans 8-28 when life's awful. Um, right? We can say, okay, God's working this together for my good. And he is, and that's awesome, and we praise God for it. But you know that God's with you on your most boring day of work? <laughs> like, I mean, guys, we, as Christians, we have the joy of always being in the presence of the Lord. Like, he said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. And even when you just spent five hours on YouTube at your job, like, Okay, shouldn't do that. <laughs> but God's with you, right? Like, every day of our lives, we get to relish in the fact that God loves us so much that he sent his son to die for us. Um, so, uh, Romans 8.38 says, For I am persuaded that neither death nor life nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. So key point five, Jesus loves you so much. <laughs> Jesus loves you so much, and I don't want you to leave here without knowing that. So this leads us into verse 19 of Ephesians 3. It says, uh, 
and to know the love of Christ, which passeth knowledge, that ye might be filled with all the fullness of God. And so I want us to understand that to know the love of Christ in this way, to move out of your circumstances and into letting God just settle you and his word be made reality in your life and then moving to um, just being settled in God and you just be rooted and grounded in knowing the love of Christ and, and knowing its breadth and its length and its depth and its height, um, that passes knowledge, right? And that's what the whole book of Ephesians is about. You have these first three chapters is, I want you to know this, I want you to know this, I want you to know this. Okay, all that knowing, know the love of Christ and do. And the rest of the book is the things a Christian should do. And, uh, and so that, that should be the love of Christ in our life. We should know it in a way that it, it causes us to, to do what we know to do. And uh, that's what the fullness of God is. Right? God wants you to know the love of Christ that passes knowledge so you might be filled with all the fullness of God. So, you, man, your circumstances, they do suck. They don't matter. All right? You're filled with all the fullness of God. You know the love of Christ. And, um, and that's, that is the fullness of God. That's the abundant life that Jesus Christ called us to. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you're here. You're saying, all right, sweet. I know the love of Christ. <coughs> Filled with all the fullness of God. Got that down. <laughs> now what? Well, I'm glad you asked. Uh, verse 20 says, Now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that worketh in us. And so, now, you love, you know the love of Christ. Now, we pray. Okay? Uh, and we pray because we know who Jesus Christ is. We know that he's exceeding abundantly able to do above all that we ask or think. According to that love that we know, we know now. And so that's what we pray according to. The love of Christ. That's the thing that works in us. And, okay, uh, Next, we, we bring him glory in the church. Um, if you want to go to the next slide. Yeah. Um, so we pray according to the love, the love of Christ. And we bring him in uh, glory in the church. And that looks like evangelism. And that looks like discipleship. Right? We're called to, to know the love of Christ in such a way to where, man, sharing the gospel, who doesn't want to share the love of Christ, right? Like, I know that so well, and it's changed my life so much. That's all I want, is I want to share the gospel, and I want to train up disciples to know the love of Christ. Yeah. Um, so key point six, we must know the love of Christ in a way that empowers us to do what he's called us to. We must know the love of Christ in a way that empowers us to do what he's called us to. And so, um, you know, maybe you're here and uh, you've never accepted the love of Christ. Um, Today is the first day you've heard about Christ. And this is all new to you. I want you to know that Jesus Christ loves you. And he loves you so much. And he loves you so much that he wasn't willing that you should die in your sins. Because... Okay, God is love. He loves you. But he loves you so much, uh, he gave you a free will, and you can refuse his love. Um, And you can choose to pay for the penalty of your sins for eternity in a place called hell. Um, God doesn't want that. God died, so you didn't have to do that. And all you have to do is accept his love. You believe on him as your Lord and your Savior. Man, God, you love me so much. Um, I'm going to give my life to you and the life that you give me in return. I'm going to use that learning more about your love and making sure other people know about it. Um, The promise of God's word is you shall be saved. Um, And so if you don't know Jesus Christ, please uh, come up here. We're going to have counselors. Uh, Can we have the worship team come up? Um, But maybe you're here and you, you do know Christ. 
looks at all these people in the Bible that sinned, God was there. He was calling for them. He, he's screaming, I love you. Um, you didn't do anything so bad to cut you off from God. You can't do that. Um, the only thing you could do is, is refuse him as your Lord and Savior. And I, I don't want, if, again, if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, please come, let's, let's deal with that. But if you are in Christ, nothing can separate you from that love. Um, and I want you to know that. Uh, I ask that you would uh, come up here with, with one of our counselors and, and work through that and confess that uh, and move forward in faith that God does love you. Um, okay, maybe you know Christ, but, but you're just going through the motions. Um, you know, you've been doing ministry for years and you're realizing, I think I've been missing it. Um, and that was, that was me studying it. Guys, we can't do what God's called us to if we don't know the love of Christ. And so, if you've been going through the motions, please, like, get with somebody, get with one of our counselors, get with your Bible study leader, get with a brother or a sister, and recommit to just sitting at Jesus' feet uh, and learning about his love again. Um, Heavenly Father, I just come, I thank you so much for you love us. And God, I'm sorry for the times that I commit it, or that I, I don't act like it. Um, and Lord, I, I pray that nobody would leave here today uh, thinking that you don't love them. God, but that every single person would leave here uh, either for the first time in their life knowing the love of Jesus Christ uh, or just having recommitted their life to Christ and to learn about his love. God, I want to pray that people would leave here knowing the truth of your love and, um, and that it would pass knowledge in our lives and that it would fill us with the fullness of God such that we couldn't help but just do the things that you commanded us to. Um, and John 15 calls that, that's how we love you. God, we just, we obey. And so I pray that we would do that this morning. We hope that today's message encouraged you to follow Christ in His Word. For more information about Kaya, for service times and information about our disciple-making ministry, please visit our website at caya.live.